legalizefreedom.com. Why are we here? Where do we come from? Where are we going? From the nature of reality to the future of humanity. Listen without limits. Unchain your brain. Change your thinking. Change your life. LegalizeFreedom.com Greetings and welcome once again to LegalizeFreedom.com. I'm your host Greg Moffat and my guest today is Emma Farrell who joins us to discuss the ongoing coronavirus crisis. Since early 2020, the human race has been under attack. Whatever the true origin or nature of COVID-19, the highly controlled and coordinated response has unleashed untold suffering across the planet. Government and media fear-mongering has caused immense psychological harm, compounded by disempowering messages of individual helplessness in the face of a supposedly deadly existential threat. Taken purely on its own terms, the situation just doesn't make sense. From the outset, the pandemic scenario has been riddled with inconsistencies and contradictions, leading many to speculate darkly about what might really be going on. Few, however, have been willing to venture beyond the narrow confines of our everyday five-sense reality in search of an answer. Might it be possible that the ongoing assault on our species has its origins in dimensions of reality still unacknowledged by most? Hello and welcome, Emma, and thank you so much for joining us today on LegalizeFreedom.com. Hi, Greg. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, Emma, today we're going to be talking about, um, as set out in my recorded intro, what has been happening in the last year and a half, now we're getting on for two years with the pandemic response. We're not just going to talk about that. Uh, You also have a book out um, called Journeys with Plant Spirits, Plant Consciousness, Healing and Natural Magic Practices. I would say the main dimension of what we're going to do is we're going to go below the surface and maybe above and beyond um, a lot of the conventional and mainstream interpretations of what's happening with our species, with our species and on our planet at this time. Some listeners may find some of this material rather challenging, but I think that if we're relying on a purely 3D, five sense interpretation of events, we will they will remain as incomprehensible as they have been for many people up to this point. So that's what we're doing. We're trying to go beyond that and find out are there other levels of this that might give more insight into what's happening. Uh, before we get started, if you could just briefly tell listeners a little bit about yourself and your work. So yes, it's a, it's a complex story, isn't it, that's been happening the last couple of years. But um, so for myself, um, I am a plant spirit healer, um, which kind of sounds quite gentle, actually, um, for what I do. But I basically um, have clients um, from all around the world, um, and I go into their energy fields to forensically cleanse out any toxicities, any attachments, etc. So it's a shamanic process of helping people to reestablish integrity of their energy field, which in turn helps people to naturally heal, helps them to be more in contact with their intuition, helps to cleanse the mind, 
And so, um, yeah, that, that's my kind of day job. And I also teach this and, um, I have a, a kind of a, a plant spirit medicine range, apothecary. So this is by working co-creatively with the plant spirits, I um, work shamanically with my clients. Now, when was the first time, I guess, I suppose it was March really, wasn't it, in the UK, when we really had a sense, when the first lockdown arrived, really had a sense that there was something really significant happening here. It probably took me until about May, because I, I, tr- I took things at face value initially and just said, okay, we'll just wait for some data to come in. At what point and for what reason did you first begin to feel um, a sense of unease? Or was that maybe there from the start, you know, because of your, um, you know, the work that you've done over the years that you've just described? Well, I had actually known that this time was coming for quite a long time. Um, not, I didn't know it was coming in quite the format that it arrived in, um, you know, but I heard about this kind of shifting consciousness back in 2010 when I was in Egypt and it came with under the context of 2012, but I knew that was more of a, just a temporal marker. And actually I've been told by my indigenous elders and through prophecies, you know, I think the Mayans even spoke about it, that that following 10 years would be like the, the kind of the, the big shift. And now that we're in 2022, we are deep in the thick of it. Um, and so that's why I decided um, 10, 12 years ago um, to really, really get on the spiritual path and do all of my inner work and train um, to make sure that because I, w- I was told that there would be a lot of healers required in the future and, and at this point in time. And so my whole mission was like, I need to heal myself so that I can help others. I was on a, a, a Buddhist path as well. Um, and so I wanted to be in service during this great transition of the ages that was coming. So when when things started kicking off at the uh, start of um, 2020, um, in at the start, I think around it was the spring equinox, I decided to um, take a big dose of mushrooms and go into the astrals and have a look what was going on. So I saw I saw everything. I saw the whole plan that had been uh, laid out. I saw the vaccine was coming in. I saw um, I saw the beings that were behind the plan. I didn't quite see the depth of the beings that, you know, there's layers of beings that are behind this plan. And I saw how it had been planned out. And I saw the deaths that were, were coming going to come in. And I saw um, a, a, an element of madness that was going to take over as well. So I. Had, I was able to therefore research, like that's what I kind of saw. Of, of course, I wasn't seen, shown timelines, so I didn't know at all how long it was going to play out. But then when I matched it to the astrology as well, I could see that we were in this Plutonian cycle, this Plutonian era, and, um, and that Pluto wasn't going to leave Capricorn until 2024. And so, so we were in for the long haul. So then I went into kind of research mode and, and and through working on my clients, I could see exactly what was going on for people. So so it it really was a kind of um, I knew what was coming, um, kind of. I thought it would be a lot nicer than what it actually turned out to be. Um, but but, yeah, I, I kind of knew right from the start what was what was going on. Well, we'll get into the detail of some of what you mentioned there. I mean, it's fascinating. I didn't actually know about that 
trip that you took and, and the insights that you gleaned from that. Um, you hadn't mentioned that previously, but to backtrack slightly to 2012, I did some shows around that time. Clearly, this was of great interest culturally, whatever was going to happen or not happen. And I never felt for a minute there was going to be some kind of, you know, one day event or that, you know, we're all going to be raptured or some kind of miraculous consciousness shift. But I think the mm. whole point of that, that, as you've already alluded to, was that it was a temporal marker. It was the beginning of a, a, a new period in time in some way. And I felt that 9-11 also performed that function for me. Um, I certainly felt that something shifted within myself after 9-11, you know, within the weeks and months that followed that for obvious reasons, you know, my perceptions of the world. And I don't just mean in terms of like you know, news and current affairs and, and, you know, politics and economics and whatnot, you know, something much deeper than that. And 2012, I think, was the next one of those for me. And it's sort of, if I was marking significant temporal markers in, in, in my life, in the context of what we're speaking about, then 2012 was certainly the next one. And I think that we're now living through, we'll now see when we look back, you know, you and I, as 2019, 2020, as another one, whatever happens in future, you know, however long this phase carries on for, as it were, until something else significant changes. So, and I don't think prior to 9-11, I can necessarily think of a, a similar temporal marker that wasn't just an internal one, if you see what I mean, in terms of my own life. You know, for example, like, you know, turning 18 or turning 30, you know, those sorts of things. Um, so I think 9-11 was the first th thing for me that felt like it was affecting me profoundly, something external effect affecting me in that way, but it was also, uh, you know, a global thing, whether people really sensed it or understood it or admitted it or not. Yeah, I mean, for me, um, I think I've always been anti-establishment, <laughs> um, so I've never believed really what's been in the media. I think perhaps, you know, I grew up in a in a village in Yorkshire, a mining village, and, and we left after the miners' strike because it was so um, so horrific what happened um, during that period. And so I grew up not trusting the government and, and realizing that they really don't have the the common man the common man's interest or well-being uh, at heart. And so, so I've kind of, it was never really a big leap for me to, to kind of understand that 9-11 was an inside job. And of course it was, you know, done by the, whoever, you know, the kind of the CIA or the, the American shadow government or whoever. Um, that wasn't really a, a big leap, you know, consciousness leap to make. It was kind of like, yeah, that, that makes sense because the, you know, we live in a world of control. It's all about who controls who. And, um, you know, and we see that reflected in ourselves, the different levels of control patterns that can be even very subtle within ourselves um, and or even very strong. You know, and we have this very narcissistic um, quality that, that runs through our society. And so given all that, um, then, yeah, I mean, for me, I, it's kind of like I always knew something was going to happen quite big in my life when I was in my 40s. I even kind of thought that I was going to die in you know in my early 40s at one point and it when i as I, the older i got and the more kind of internal inquiry i did i realized it's, it was a certain death but it was more it was a, a sorry a kind of death um but it wasn't it wasn't um you know actual death where i leave my body it was um a death of my old self and so what i've recognized 
and, and been through myself over this last um, couple of years is a huge, huge, massive transition where my life looks does not look anything like it did two, two years ago. And so, so we can see this huge shift ha- happening out in society, but then it, it's reflected within ourselves as well. So, so yeah. Now, one of the most bizarre things during this uh, pandemic time for me has been the kind of not the public health response, but also in, in general, the messaging, um, about health. Where to start on this really? I think I will start with the, I guess with the mainstream media response, two things mainly. One is that suddenly there was always been like a certain degree of criticism and skepticism coming down to anybody uh, working within natural health and healing. I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not talking about what would be considered fringe even by some within that community, but you know, well-established, long, you know, practices taking their cue from indigenous wisdom, millennia of human experience on this planet. Uh, so well-developed systems for taking care of health and well-being and, and healing uh, using what's already provided for us on the earth. Suddenly, that became um, more so than usual demonized. Unlike previous flu seasons, for example, when lots of people would, some people would get a vaccination, some people would pop lots of um, stuff they bought from um, the, the pharmacy, and other people would be having, you know, green tea and honey and lemon or whatever, and lots of different ways. You know, horses for courses, everybody's got their way that they like to look after their own health or not. But suddenly there was like um, this narrowing of like w- what could possibly work and what would be allowed. The idea of the, your immune system, you know, our God or creator given immune system, which has kept us mostly well, has certainly brought us to this point on this planet after hundreds of thousands, if not longer, of the existence of modern humans. Then that's like, well, you know, we were then considered after... 2019, 2020, to be inherently weak and sick. And we needed outside intervention in order to get through this. Then the second part of all this was the campaign, which is what it has been, of fear-mongering and terror, and what that does to your your body and your mind, and ultimately your immune system as well. Everyone knows if they're afraid or stressed, that can make them less able to get well or more likely to get sick, whatever it happens to be. So I know there's quite a few points in there, but that's just the overall picture I'm presenting there is just to me has been just most baffling. Well, not really baffling in one sense, you know, but certainly looking at it from a, you know, an overall point of view, it's just been like, what, you know, this is, it's lots of the pandemic response has basically turned conventional wisdom, tried and tested wisdom on its head. Yeah, yeah, lots to say about that. Huge, huge subject. And a lot of it's already been said and, you know, on, on various, in various ways. But, um, yeah, I mean, uh, even breathing has been demonized, you know, <laughs> and, um, I know Barbara Griggs wrote a great book called Green Pharmacy, where she actually outlines how traditional herbalism got overtaken by the cult of pharmacy and the cult of, uh, modern medicine. And, and how, um, all the traditional remedies, et cetera, got, got squashed. And, uh, I think even in Ireland, St. John's Wort banned, you know, uh, it's crazy, crazy stuff. And the kind of suppression of even things like, um, flower essences, you know, if it wasn't for the British Flower Essence Association, it would, they would have been banned back in, you know, about 30 years ago. So, 
you know, they had to fight to keep just flower essences uh, on the shelves. And, you know, you can buy flower essences in boots now. So, so yeah, the, and the, the, the way that the, the media portrayed a lot of things, you know, there was a lot of talk in the uh, neuro-linguistic programming um, community about how NLP uh, methods were being used through the media to basically um, control what people, to spell people basically into believing things. And, you know, in NLP, you cannot use that, those methodologies without someone's permission. Um, and, but the, our government has blatantly been using them. So there's been a lot of, um, you know, some people call it psyops. Some people, yeah, the NLP community view it one way. Um, you, you know, the kind of the more witchcraft. Uh, end of the society call it spelling but but basically there's been a huge movement towards um anti-life you know and so uh we've been it's never been about health you know if it was about health then the nhs would be putting out uh information right from the beginning about how to look after your immune system which supplements most of us are deficient in like zinc and d3 and b12 but you didn't hear any of that. You know, it was all about how we can get a vaccine. And once you saw that, you know, Bill Gates was behind the whole thing and, you know, that, uh, you know, there's this whole movement towards nanotechnology. It's like, wow, yeah, that that's the direction they're, they're wanting to take this. And it's all about power, money and control. And it's not about our health. So. So, yeah, it's it's been a. It's been very fascinating to watch. Um, and I don't really watch mainstream media. I just kind of, you know, I get the, the mess, I just get the headlines really to see what rubbish messages are being put out. Um, but it's been fascinating to watch this, this kind of, this mass psychosis that's been inflicted on society. But I think it's always been there. And, um, you know, it's kind of, it's being built on, on a lot of kind of, conditioning that's been endemic in our society for quite a long time and I've just started reading I don't know whether you've heard of the book Dispelling Wetico by uh, Paul Levi and he talks about this contagious psycho-spiritual disease of the soul this pathology this psychological pathology that's just always been there and Wetico is a, a native Indian terminology for this spirit this kind of evil spirit that um, hides in a non-locally around us and, and works through our, the, the kind of the, the blind spots of our psyche, those unresolved traumas. And, um, I think Robert Malone mentioned it recently in his, uh, amazing interview with Joe Rogan. If you've not seen that, it's, it's really worth watching. Um, and, and so we've witnessed this kind of like this, just this mass psychosis take over society and and like you know for those of us who have had the eyes to see it's just been it's just been shocking and like you say baffling as to why people are still believing the narrative you know and and still kind of going along with this madness so um coming back to health yeah it's we can just naturally look after our, our health, you know, naturally look after our immune system. There's certainly something in herd immunity. And um, so because we've seen that um, it, it's not really about health, it's about control, um, you know, and there's been far more, much more destruction of, um, 
you know, sorry, there's been far more, I'd say, deaths and trauma inflicted on people through lockdowns, isolation. I mean, what's been done to the children is just horrifying um, than, than the virus it ever caused. So, so you just from that perspective of just things just don't add up, <laughs> um, you know, from a health perspective that, yeah, there, there's something a lot more deeper going on. Well, beyond toxicity and trauma, a great deal of what determines your physical health is what goes on in your mind. By that, I mean toxicity. If you drink a bottle of bleach, it's difficult to think your way out of that. If you have an arm severed, it's difficult to think one and you won't back. But so obviously you need, you know, certain types of immediate, urgent, you know, medical interventions to try and do something about those. But otherwise, a lot of it is to do with the state of your mind, you know, as within, so without, I think. And that's where a lot of what has been happening in terms of, you know, this campaign of fear, you know, driving people into depression and despair and what that does for their mental health. And of course, then that affects their physical health directly. And that makes people more susceptible to whatever happens to be going around, you know, whatever viruses are floating around as they do at this time of the year. So it's a, it's a really vicious circle. Mm, absolutely. You know, I'm a firm believer that allopathic medicine and natural medicine go hand in hand. You know, um, natural medicine is a preventative, um, you know, but we need the, the emergency services for, for sure, you know, if we have accidents, etc., or broken bones or need operations. Um, but prevention is, is better than the cure. And so, um, what I have understood and which a lot of other kind of healers or therapists or uh, naturopaths understand is that it's the emotion that lies behind chronic illnesses or, um, you know, kind of, or, or short-term illnesses. It's the emotion. It's, you know, there has to be a fertile ground for that kind of, um, illness to come out through the body and so there'll be certain emotions and, and people even link it to certain parts of the body you know so the lungs in traditional uh, Chinese medicine the lungs are where we can contain our grief which is interesting you know unresolved grief um, can crea create all kinds of uh, respiratory issues and anger is in the liver we store anger in the liver and so we need to cleanse our liver regularly if we want to kind of release ourselves from all those different types of anger, even down to small frustrations. And so the liver is responsible for lots of different um, issues in the body, including uh, viruses, etc. When because it stores a lot of the heavy metals and the, the pesticides and toxicities from uh, the chemicals that um, feed viruses. So looking after the liver and keeping on top of our emotions are key to keep to to um, looking after our health emotional balance is is key otherwise you're feeding you're feeding those kind of like energetic toxicities which then attract the physical toxicities and we know that our physical body is the last expression of um the manifestation process you know the physical is the last expression as things come down from the the kind of the more finer vibrations even just as a thought you know, if you want to make something like uh, uh, build a table, it first starts in your mind as a thought. And so then you bring it down and you, you kind of action it into into being. And so it's the same with illness. You know, it starts off as a thought. It starts off as a perhaps a trauma from your childhood that hasn't been resolved. And so it creates this unhelpful and unhealthy um, process of thought patterns and fears and 
anxieties that then feed those kind of like unhelpful vibrations in the body that eventually get expressed as disease or imbalance in the body. So, so yeah, emotional balance is key to this. And so that's why mental health is such a, a key component in our health as a society. One of the Catholic priests in The Godfather 3 is, I think, a bit of an obscure reference, but he says something in the film that is just a way of summing this up that I always quote or really like. And he just simply says to one of the main characters, Michael Corleone, who's having all sorts of you know, unresolved issues and troubles at the end of it, trying to extract himself from his criminal career. And he's becoming physically ill. He's got heart problems, diabetes. And the Cardinal says to him, the mind suffers, the body cries out. You know, it's as simple as that. And um, you mentioned um, Paul Levy. I'm just going to throw this in before I forget. So you're reading his book, I think, Watiko Breaking the Curse of Evil. Is that right? Yeah, I've only just started. So, uh, but yeah, I've, uh, yeah, that's the book. So there's a new one just out, uh, Watiko Healing the Mind Virus that Plagues Our World. So I interviewed him around Breaking the Curse of Evil and also again last year around some of the subjects we're talking about actually so readers sorry listeners can find those links um up on legalizefreedom.com but yeah paul has some great insights on this and it's really he's got his own way of via indigenous wisdom actually but bringing shedding light on some of what's happening and helping us to see it in a different way and um yeah so i think he's made some really invaluable contributions over recent years. So I think you're going to get a lot out of the book and, and I would recommend you, you get the new one in due course if you can. Yeah, thank you for that. And I'm going to listen to the to your interview with him as well. I didn't know you'd done that. But um, yeah, I mean, he, he's got a Buddhist background as well. And the Buddhists really know how to understand the mind. And he's got that indigenous kind of understanding, that shamanic perspective. Um, it sounds like he's studied esoteric wisdom as well. So So he's got a really broad range of of understanding and therefore um, he's well placed to understand what's ha- what's happened and is happening to us at the moment you mentioned the gentleman uh, Malone I can't remember his first name because I haven't actually looked at that Joe Rogan interview that you referred to yet and there's another one that he's done recently basically two very high profile very popular ones have been pulled by YouTube as I understand it I don't know what other platforms um, of a part of Spotify, obviously, but I don't know what else he might have run into trouble with. But for me, that's kind of like we're getting into a new level of absurdity here. When you've taken a relatively high profile media figure like Joe Rogan, certainly a lot more than he was before he did his big multi-million dollar deal. And he's had some really significant guests on who are, you know, much more well known than he is. But they've, they've also contributed to his fame and notoriety. But it's just so blatant now. That's like you, you've got qualified professionals giving an opinion, but because it runs contrary to something in some way, apparently, just tear it down. And I don't know where this is really going or where it's going to end, but the two Rogan interviews getting pulled, it seems to me, from what I've seen out there in terms of evidence response, have led a lot more people who were relatively happily trundling along with this, just going along to get along, to just say, hang on a minute here. Really? Mm. Yeah, I think the first one was um, I uh, Sanjay Gupta, who's like the medical kind of advisor for CNN. He had him on his show and um, he got him to basically admit that CNN had been lying um, to their uh, viewers about ivermectin. 
And so Joe Rogan got that, got, you know, the, Sanjay to admit that um, because it was obvious um, that, that Joe had uh, recovered from COVID using ivermectin and CNN had tried to portray uh, ivermectin as a, as a horse dewormer or something like that, which it is. But it's also been used for humans for, for a long time, too, and, and is highly effective uh, for COVID. And then since then, he was he interviewed, I think, Peter McCulloch, who's like, you know, highly, highly qualified and huge amounts of experience. And then and then the Malone interview who, you know, Malone worked on, I think he's called Robert Malone, uh, worked on the original mRNA. Um, he, he didn't, you know, create the whole vaccine. You know, he just worked on a certain element of it. But um, so knows exactly how it works and, and is not an anti-vaccine. He'd taken the vaccine himself. Um, and so, yeah, these three videos actually went went viral and they've done a huge amount to really tip the balance um, away from reliance on the mainstream media for for information to actually, you know, mainstream media is completely co-opted and uh, is just a mouthpiece for the government and is pure propaganda. And so Joe's Rogan, who, who has a huge following, more than CNN, actually, <laughs> online. Um, so I think Sanjay got to a bit silly to go on the show, but. Um, is really kind of helping to shift that awareness and, like you say, make people think, oh, right, okay, there's a big suppression of information going on here. Yeah, I mean, just look at the Barrington Declaration and how that got suppressed by, and these were kind of highly qualified doctors and, and professors and all, uh, lawyers who, who, you know, were really concerned last year about what was going on and about the vaccine rollout, that it was just highly dangerous. So, so yeah, where if we can have somebody over in our country, over here in the US, UK, who um, also kind of is willing to go out on a limb to to talk about these things too, you know, like you do on your show, um, you know, you know, maybe things can start shifting here too. Well, you know, in in life, I personally and most people don't run around trying to shut down everyone who disagrees with me because that's not society, it's not democracy, it's not fair, but also. I'll speak my truth and say what I think. And if I'm happy with that, then I'm not afraid of anyone else disagreeing. You know, I've got nothing to fear from that. So people running around trying to play whack-a-mole with people with different opinions, which ultimately doesn't work, they, they must be afraid of something. They must be worried about something. Otherwise, why would they put all the time, money and effort into doing it? Only if they thought it was going to have some effect that they didn't want. Otherwise, they would just ignore it. They call people cranks and nutters and this that and the other thing if they truly believed that they just let them go because it would be self-evident that these people were cranks and nutters it would be self-evident people would open their they would open their mouths and society at large would go oh my god that's just crazy and ignore it yeah yeah we're in um some really kind of oppressive times and and i lived in the middle east actually for for about nine years so i lived under censored media and so I knew what that was. And so I just saw this kind of real censorship coming in and, and felt it um, and, and saw it from right in the early days as well and thought, oh, wow, there's there's really some kind of big thing going on here because we're, we're being people are being shut down left, right and center. You know, even big kind of um, spiritual groups on Facebook or alternative health groups on Facebook suddenly, you know, 200,000 members are just suddenly gone overnight. Um, you know, and these are, you know, these are people who have built those groups and, and been working on them for years, you know, and getting the information out there about how to naturally look after ourselves as, as free and healthy human beings. 
Um, but suddenly we're not allowed to do that. It's like, yeah, surely that just should ring alarm bells for people. Yeah, one of the things in this, and I mentioned this earlier, is this in, in this whole episode, is this insistence or this inference that we're inherently sick, that we're inherently weak, and that we you know we need all this outside, we need all this propping up with chemicals in order to like to make it through, whether it's like chemicals in our food, chemicals in our water, or just pure chemicals out of the pharmacy. And I really resent that. Now I understand what has happened to particularly throughout the course of the the twentieth century and now into the early 21st, what has happened to particularly developed industrial societies in terms of, you know, diet and well-being, including mental and all of that. And there's been a lot of poisons gone into people's bodies and, you know, generations and generations of, you know, obesity and malnutrition. I'm not talking about suffered in the third world now, but I'm just talking about eating garbage. So there's been, we've poisoned ourselves, you know, as, as societies in a lot of cases. However, there are natural ways to deal with that and it still that still does not detract from my point that we are inherently most of us be blessed with basically good health when we're born and if we don't have any special particular challenges most of us are born well born to survive in this world and that's why i just deeply deeply resent this idea that we all need to be medicated we're all somehow um inadequate um, in our natural state absolutely you know um the body naturally wants to move back to health. Nature naturally wants to move back to balance. You know, it's it, when I uh, help my clients, I'm helping them to naturally heal. I'm, I'm removing the kind of the toxicities and stuff that, that they are, the results of, of their imbalances and the results of their unresolved traumas, but I'm not healing them. They can only heal themselves. You know, we can ultimately only ever heal ourselves. And so, what we've been programmed or conditioned to believe in our society is that we have to outsource our health to the doctors. We have to outsource everything to, you know, so education to teachers, you know, um, our navigation to our sat nav, our remembrance of telephone numbers to the what's in our phone. And so we have degraded our sense of power and our self of self responsibility and our self of uh, our sense of, um, of, uh, yeah, yeah, responsibility to ourself, our self love and our belief in ourselves that, you know, we, we don't need anything outside of ourselves. We, we need support and we need help from the plants, et cetera, to support our health. But ultimately, you, you know what it's like. If somebody is really had enough of being here, they're, they're going to leave. <laughs> you know, we decide when we want to leave, but normally, we strive for health. We strive to survive. And, and actually, it's, it's quite difficult, as, um, as many kind of people say, to kill humans because we've got such a, a, a strong kind of um, determination for life because we are creators, you know, we're co-creators. And so we co-create life. And so, yeah, we, we naturally want to move back to health. So it's just a case of um, you speak to craniosacral therapists and it's just a case of naturally supporting that um, that movement and that and bringing that that sense of health back into us naturally we don't have to have it imposed on us or mandated onto us like we we already naturally are it so it, it just comes down to a matter of matter of belief systems in the end it does really yeah what you believe about yourself about um the wider world you know the rest of the species about the natural world our place in it or place not in it and also your view of 
if you have a cosmology of you know anything beyond this world, I'm not I'm just talking about the rest of the bodies out in the solar system, but you know just beyond this life, as it were. Now there's been a cult. Just to reflect on an aspect of something you said. There's been a cult of what I call safetyism gathering in modern times. You know this uh, um, adversity to um, anything that might be perceived as a risk. Anybody who's worked in uh, the corporate or commercial world, or even you know other. Um, aspects of the workplace will be familiar with risk assessments and what have you and oh you can't put that ladder there and you can't do this and you can't do things that we did for ages without any serious adverse effects and this cult of safetyism has been has been turning into sort of a cult of when i say cleanliness that maybe i'm going to a better word but sterility perhaps would be a better word people that your age you know you're fair bit younger than me but you know you, you'll remember playing in the dirt probably when you were a little girl mm. and you know that, that basically boosted your immune system as long as you weren't eating handfuls of soil uh, you weren't going to come to any harm um, but there's been increasing worry about people bleaching every not just talking about now prior to all of this people bleaching every surface in their home constantly and you know changing their bedding every single day which might be nice that's if you lived in a hotel and had permanently and had a maid to do it all the time but this constant obsession with cleanliness and that we've, we've been seeing in years prior to this, the negative effect that's had on people's immune systems because they're not being exposed to natural pathogens, you know, ones that are not going to kill them, but ultimately they're not even going to notice that they're within their bodies, you know, but they, your body's immune system is kept. It's like a, you know, a workout for your immune system as it were. Now in the last couple of years, what's been particularly insidious that that's now, transmogrified it's morphed into this idea of not only feeling that that, that the we're or as individuals are inherently weak and inherently sick but that other people are sources of infection in some kind of 28 days later you know post-apocalyptic zombie type <laughs> film you know or like contagion or you know one of those sorts of movies that everyone around you every other of your fellow human beings is a source of disease and infection and if you're following the narrative then you're going to keep away from them you're going to smother yourself you know your body and whatever happens to be chemicals and cover your face up do all of that all the time avoid people um assiduously and all of the the contact and the social bonds and, and the the group activities and everything that uh, no, that basically are how human society functions and that they make life worth living suspend all of those indefinitely and as if that's going to make you well or even if you're already ill, that's going to make you better. You know, that it just it runs counter to com common sense and, and human experience. Well, everything seems to have been switched on its head over the last couple of years. You know, it's it's a it's a very satanic process. And um, yeah, I mean, we need bacteria. You know, this obsession with sanitizing your hands and every time you walk into a shop, it's. It's and not breathing and you know it's just insane and and that that lack of exposure to bacteria um, in in our environment is going to have a detrimental effect on your immune system because like you said it's our immune systems are built from an early age of interaction with bacteria and viruses etc and so you cut that out and you you're just not going to have a a very strong immune system so um, yeah it it's all it's just madness basically. Um, yeah, so uh, I haven't actually worn a mask since day one and don't intend to. I, I just don't see, you know, the, the, the nice thing is that the government's always given us a get out clause that you're exempt 
unless it's you know you think you're not <laughs> so basically yeah it stresses me to wear a mask so I'm not going to wear one thank you um so and it's all about personal choice and personal responsibility you know um if I was if I had a normal common cold I'm not going to go and sneeze on someone in in the supermarket you know you, you, there is a, a sense of normal common sense that comes into this anyway you know that we we and it's it's like that that common sense has been taken away from us that we're not allowed to make those choices for ourselves and and yeah and and so we're like you say just being completely sanitized and uh disconnected and it feels like all of the the soul and the spirit is being stripped from society you know and we're not allowed to enjoy ourselves anymore spend time with family and friends and loved ones you know it all has to be done under this idea of you know we're all going to infect each other and you know, well i you know i was ho hoping to get covid so that i'd just get it out of the way and i boost my immune system and get all the antibodies and off i go i can just carry on with life and you know it's just madness that we're not allowed to do that or not encouraged to rather yeah and it's pitted people against each other in the most um insidious way as i mentioned a moment ago um, you know, this is, this is split up, um, friendships, social groups, families. This is split up families, husband, wife, children scattered to the four winds, own differing opinions on all of this. Whereas they managed other similar situations without even batting a line of eyelid, you know, member of the family getting ill with some kind of viral, you know, influenza type infection, whatever it happened to be. Everyone just managed it. Um, but because the, the, Everything's been turned on its head, and there's just been enormous response by most governments all over the world, and you know, media organisations and and, uh, and corporations as well. That's been the game changer, and unfortunately, I, I guess many, if not most, people became used to taking their cues from what should I do, you know, in the world, what should I do in society, what should I do with my life, from the television, and and it obviously latter years um, um, online media and that's they've taken their cue from that and they've been instructed to be afraid and been instructed to um, be afraid of others and been instructed to persecute others if they don't fall in line with what, they're, what we're all supposed to be doing you know and I, I, I don't know what the fallout from this is going to be like fallout implies it kind of coming to an end we might change into something else but it's been so damaging socially and culturally and economically so far. It does give me cause for concern uh, going forward, though personally, I think like you, I'm trying to manage it just as calmly and coolly as possible and just let the world, the world's doing what the world's doing is something I say to myself almost every day. And there's a limit to what I can do about it. What, the thing I've got most control over is myself. So that's the thing to bear in mind. Yeah. And, you know, all great change starts with, from within. So this whenever I see all this craziness that's happening out in the outside world that just doesn't make sense and is just completely baffling, um, I just bring it back to myself. And, like, you know, do I recognize any of that madness within myself? Do I recognize any of the, those control uh, mechanisms within myself and, and therefore how can I change them within myself? We're, we're in a spiritual process and we have to recognize that. If we don't want that out in the, the world, then we have to change it within ourselves. Any of those kind of unhelpful 
conditionings that we've, uh, you know, and, and really question our, our own belief systems and our own truths. And truth, your, your truth can change. You know, I know people are kind of so hell bent on being right about everything all the time, but our truth can change as we grow and learn. As long as we're in our heart and understand that, you know, that, that, that the light that everybody wants to kind of bring in in their spiritual process is actually just truth, you know, then, and, and compassion, then we can really start to make some, some changes. And I've seen it within myself over, over my spiritual path of, of inward investigation is that, uh, yeah, the, the more of our truths that we, the, that we question and we allow our minds to be more expansive and more fluid and more flexible, then we can allow more light into those kind of perhaps the darker parts of the psyche that we've forgotten. Um, and we can change. And so I've seen through changing my inner world and illuminating my inner world that I've really had a huge and positive change in my external world. So now I, you know, I, I haven't watched kind of TV for a long, long time. And, uh, I, you know, I watch box sets or something, but um, not not normal TV. And, and so I don't really kind of engage with people in my society, in my surroundings who, who do either. And so you attract the, the kind of the type of people that, you know, that, that you resonate with. And so, so in, in my environment today, you know, I, um, I don't even really interact with anyone who's, who's kind of taken the vaccine. You know, I don't come into contact with, with people like that, apart from perhaps in the supermarket. It's, it's kind of because we're on a spiritual path. And so those who have understood that it might be dangerous, um, have, have, te- have or, or at least detrimental, have taken one path and you know unfortunately other people have been swept along with the with the narrative and and taken the synthetic route to, for their health and so um but and, and so i just kind of say this not to exemplify divisiveness but just to exemplify the fact that we create our envi- external world according to what's on our internal world and we've been so disconnected from that idea because we're so we've been so programmed to be so fixated on what's outside us, what's out in the external world, what's being what we're being told life is, that we've forgotten that we've we've got this beautiful, expansive inner world that we're all connected to plants and trees. Naturally, we're connected to the earth and we're connected to each other on this and, and to our eternal selves um, and to the collective. And so all these kind of concepts about who we naturally are are just kind of been trampled upon and, and hammered out of us over the years. And so when it comes to this particular process that we're all going through, it's just been easy to, to, to kind of, you know, railroad everybody into to doing what they're being told because it's, it's part of the conditioning. But like I say, just remembering that our inner world is just as important as, as our inner world. And, and in actual fact, and in all the wisdom traditions, they teach you that they're, they're one and the same thing. There is actually no difference between our inner world and our external world. And when I work with the plants, especially plants like mugwort, Artemisia vulgaris, she really teaches this, that this, this quality that the inner world and the external world are one and the same because she works on the inner world and the external world around you in a very visceral way. So, so you can really see her in operation, both in, in, in her actions on both internally and externally. And even in Buddhist meditation, 
you know, they teach you uh, that, uh, you know, to, to concentrate on noises that are going on within you and outside of you. Don't don't try to kind of stop one or the other because they're one and the same thing. And you can come to this place of everything you're experiencing is just this one thing. It's one taste. It's one experience. It's not you completely separate from the outside world at all. No, we are one and the same. And when you, um, I learned to lucid dream for my master's thesis. And, uh, and so lucid dreaming, when you become consciously awake in your dream and you know that you're dreaming and then you can go and consciously change or, or do things in your dream. This teaches you that you are both the dreamer and the dream, like your, your consciousness and what you're seeing outside of yourself. It's one and the same thing. And so you can, translate that into your waking state and recognize at a deeper level that what's outside of you and what's inside of you, it's it's just one and the same thing. And so if we can get to this place of, of balance and, and recognition and self-empowerment of, of who we are and that we're, we're actually an active participant in, in this world, we, we, you know, we'll, we'll stop being such, we'll, we'll perhaps move out of our slave mentality one day. That would be nice. I'm just looking out the window here. It's just started snowing. It's um, it's really beautiful, and I've, I suddenly had a thought about all of the conformity and the sort of war on individuality that we've had. You know, the war on freedom of choice. The idea that the individual means anything; it has to be for the greater good. You know, all those ideas, and each one of these snowflakes, as we know, is is quite unlike any of the others. And there's just millions of them just in front of me here now so each snowflake is very individual if you look at the um each snowflake under the microscope everyone is different mm, that's precisely what i meant you know yeah uh, they're all individuals though superficially they appear the same but they're not mm. so uh, time to take i think a dive into some of the deeper darker dimensions of this as we hinted at at the top of the hour um, I'm just about to record a vlog of my own entitled COVID-19 War on Humanity by Non-Human Forces. Now, I use that non-human advisedly because I do mean to use that term, even though I'm not quite sure yet what it is I'll be getting into, or, you know, where this is all leading. But, and you've mentioned this already, one of the, possibly the most disturbing thing about the whole pandemic response in general has been, and again, I use the word advisedly cruelty to children and when i saw some of the things that were going on what children were being forced to do and the suffering that i've heard about um anecdotally in some of the media and directly firsthand from people i know with kids some of the most appalling stories i've ever heard it was all of this put together that sometimes keep me awake at night and it was this cruelty to children that led me to, to say to myself one day, these people, we all know who I'm referring to, they can't be fully human. No one who's really human could do this. They could allow this to happen. And that's what led me then beyond the superficial aspects of what's happening into asking, is there something else going on here beyond three dimensions, beyond our five senses? That concludes part one of our interview. Part two will be available soon in the subscribers area at legalizefreedom.com. Legalizefreedom.com.